Your sensors are correct. Do not adjust your heading. Your heading. You've discovered the Omega Particle. Streaming to the Alpha Quadrant and beyond. 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 Here's your host. The anchorman of the Federation. The doctor of Dilithium. This is Jonathan Wiegand. Yes, welcome to the Omega Particle. I am your gracious and humbled host, Jonathan Wiegand, the anchorman of the Federation, the Doctor of Lithium, and I welcome you to this broadcast. Um, today, I have the Im- immense pleasure to welcome three of my lifelong best friends for uh, another Trek Roundtable episode. Um, I have an absolute blast making these. It's an absolute joy to have them back on. And today, we are covering TNG famous episode the drumhead and it directly links in an easter egg way and we'll get into it back to our first trek roundtable but it's a great episode and we we have some fresh perspectives we're bringing in because richard is not really a super big trekkie i think this is the first episode he's ever like seriously watched so it was great hearing his perspective as well as alan and jason's definitely thank them so much for coming on i i very much appreciate it uh, moving on to some light housekeeping again. We're having our spooky episode, <laughs> October 31st. That's coming out this Saturday. And then we'll also continue on with our discovery reviews after that. Yeah, I won't hold you back much longer. This is a great episode. And um, I just can't wait for you guys to hear it. But I just want to welcome you all to the Trek Roundtable. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> we don't, I don't get paid enough for this. I don't get paid anything for this. <laughs> you guys are getting paid. <laughs> I'm not getting paid. All right. Let's get this show on the road. Welcome to our Star Trek round table. We have Alan, Jason and Richard. They are scattered across the country. And today we'll be talking about the famous my personal favorite TNG episode, the Drumhead, and uh, yeah, so welcome, guys. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great to be back. Fantastic. So I know, um, just to give a little pre preface for the listeners and the audience out there, um, Richard, you don't, you never watch Star Trek, correct? Not once in my life. So this is your first time for real. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if we're unless we're counting like me walking through a room like a lobby of a hotel and it's playing in the you know in the background, then that then <laughs> that I is usually that what ho- that's usually what hotel lobbies show. Star Trek. <laughs> that's, that's that's the go to. That's what gets the people in there and mingling. Is this the best of both worlds? Perfect. Um, <laughs> the the listeners will get it. Don't worry, Dick. Uh, <laughs> Oh, okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Alan and Alan and Jason are coming back for the second time. We did the other very first roundtable, what, like a month, month and a half ago? Yeah, sounds about right. It's about, <laughs> so serious. Um, very, it feels like year, years ago. I've been counting the days. <laughs> it's been very hectic the past month and a half, and we have a big election coming up, which we will not talk about at all. <laughs> <laughs> Period. Anyway. Or, or will we? Did, did this episode have 
implications for no i'm kidding we'll, we'll uh <laughs> i mean i don't care to go there i mean i don't pay any i mean it's uh i he could like there's a lot of witch hunts and paranoia in the episode just saying yes a healthy amount that's for sure Mm. we'll give a quick synopsis here and then we will just continue on with the episode and just kind of let it flow and yeah we'll see where it takes us there's not a lot of structure to these roundtable episodes but the quick synopsis is there's been sabotage and before um everybody hits their beastie boys song there was a what was his name dejan was a exobiologist Klingon which kind of makes you think if you're going to be a spy you'd be an exobiologist Klingon because Klingons aren't exobiologists at all in any way shape or form anyway <laughs> this is my little son yeah Richard's like oh god I'm in the weeds here uh, <laughs> from the- some of your listeners are laughing right now so that's it's fine <laughs> they would get it they would get it um, Richard if you listen to my Klingon series you would you would know <laughs> oh yeah I, I'll put that next on my list <laughs> I'm crying, not laughing. Um, anyway, anyway, so Dejan discovered as a spy and accused of basically blowing up the Enterprise warp core and a specific door. We're not getting super detailed. And so he's accused and it actually turns out to be true. He was a spy for the Romulan. And Richard, the Romulans are pretty much like the Soviet Union of TNG world. The big bad. All right. Yeah. So All right. <laughs> maybe should have sent you a text or something to preference. <laughs> yeah. maybe it's good that i don't have these connections i'm building my own structure and empire here to base off my thoughts oh well there you go um <laughs> i am i am for the record i am genuinely curious to get richard's take on this having zero context exactly so i'm excited to hear i actually am too because it's not we're we didn't bring you on to make fun of you or be like he doesn't know but actually like no this is a great sci-fi episode with no head explosions sure. so yeah we're i'm excited to <laughs> Excited to get your take. So anyway, um, this investigation comes out and there's Admiral and it kind of paranoia and this witch hunt goes through and it focuses on one particular ensign, um, Tarsus, and they kind of mudrake him and accuse him. And he has these very loose connections and it actually turns out to be a great, I guess you could call it like looking glass into our own world with paranoia and witch hunt and basic McCarthyism. So... That's the synopsis of the episode. Um, just a reminder, because I'm sure everyone has seen it. But yeah, Richard, I'm kind of curious from a very fresh virgin eyes. Like, what did you what did you think? Oh, man, I watched it like, yeah, like you said, very, very fresh. Um, you know, I really wasn't embellishing when I said that I have not not watched Star Trek, uh, you know, intently one iota. And so when I was watching this, it was just like trying to figure out all the, like the context of everything, but at the same time being able to relate to everything um, that was being presented, like the themes, the storyline, it was extremely relatable. Um, And I'm not just going to be hyperbolic as far as, you know, 2020, I'm talking about just politics and the idea of power um, and persuasion and, you know, just, ideologues and all this other stuff it was very very weirdly resonant to me in a way that i didn't expect it to be yeah and that's to me sci-fi is always the best and it could be anything it could be star wars star trek or like the dune book series like it could be anything is that when it comments on real life and real life situations and that's actually what 
made Star Trek super famous back with the original series is that they dealt with issues like racism and the Vietnam War and things like that. And so it was actually an easy way to convey messages to people without beating them over the head. Yeah, it's very relatable. So, yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Um, if you didn't like it, then you really didn't. <laughs> no hope at all. <laughs> no, I, I, I thought that it was one of those episodes that even if you're not a sci-fi person, I would say that um, I'm I'm not not a sci-fi person. I really like, you know, Lord of the Rings and Star Wars as much as you guys want to pretend that I don't. Um, mm, but Lord of the Rings is, is fantasy. Is, is, is Lord of the Rings sci-fi? Can we fact check that reference, please? Thank you. Can we fact check? Yeah, it's fantasy. So uh. okay. Well, I guess I just incriminated myself, um, but I don't care. So I'm just going to keep going. Uh, no, but I, I think that like one of the cool things is just being able to like have it transcend, like the messages transcend, and and you know I didn't. I feel like I never really had a moment where I was like in this episode where I was like, you know, I, I don't get what's going on. I've got to like stop and look this up or something like I, it was a, a pretty well contained episode. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And that's Star Trek does do that, especially TNG. They have these standalone episodes where you really don't have to know anything beforehand and there's really no consequences afterward. It's just like this 60 or not 60, but 42, 44 minutes of just like inside the zone. To me, it always resonated. It was always my favorite episode because Picard's attitude and his speech when he was on trial, that quote always pops up, um, especially in the Trek world, like near elections and near like when something happens in the political world and free speech is oppressed. It's a great quote and it, it definitely does resonate that. Do you know what? I will play that clip right now. You know, there are some words I've known since I was a schoolboy. With the first link, the chain is forged. First speech censured, the first thought forbidden, the first freedom denied, chains us all irrevocably. I don't know. I did have one question, because, um, I mean, I've seen more than, than Richard has, mm-hmm. of course, but uh, don't have any context, just jumping in this episode. Had we established this spy before, or was that just introduced? That was just an introduced thing. Like we, okay. we really had no idea before and there's really no consequence after, to be honest. Okay. So he was there. Um, what about the, um, the guy that was innocent, but was accused the one that had the Romulan uh, grandfather Tarsus. Yeah. We don't really hear yeah. anything else about him. Now I don't, okay. I don't want to say that because there might be like some random, like side note somewhere in an episode that somebody half speaks out the side of their mouth and I don't catch it. And it's like four <laughs> seasons away and they're like, it actually turned out to be fine in a farmer somewhere. Like, no, I don't know. <laughs> Trek is so deep, but yeah, uh, so far in the whole scope, we don't really get it. We don't really see that. Okay. Cause I, that was one thing I was thinking when I was watching, I was like, is this a, uh, established crew member that I just am not familiar with? Or is this a new person? Because, um, I wasn't sure, like I was going back and forth a little bit, whether I thought he was a spy at least early on before it became, you know, more obvious. He was very uh, nervous during his trial. It was very incriminating. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, I definitely wrote that down. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, I was like, think so that was one of my 
questions was like, should I have been, am I supposed to be going back and forth if he's, you know, guilty or innocent or is it, or is the whole purpose of the episode, you know, just using like the audience knowing he's already innocent to like show like what a witch hunt this is. Yeah. And I think, I think they definitely showed that because very first time watched it all those years ago, I had the debate of if he's innocent, if he's not, but to me, Mm -hmm. just to the, regular star trek viewer when data and geordie confirm that it was a mistake and that it wasn't sabotage to me i was like okay yes he's a spy that just happened per chance like which is crazy enough but to me i was like okay it's it now it's a witch hunt now they're just going after people i was like yeah when i I put like i in my notes i was like i said i agree with lavar and data (laughs) (laughs) would you mean more than data (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, oh but no it was uh yeah that that's when i was like well they both can't be wrong and like picard's gut can't be wrong like all in the same episode so that's when and then like later when uh they introduced the uh like literally like lied when they were accusing him about like the chemicals they found like in that reactor or explosion or whatever and then I was like, okay, it's well, definitely not up in the air anymore. Yeah. Whether or not. I, I had a I had like a, a little question about that like tangent. I don't know if if I missed something, but it just seemed like that Starfleet uh was being sketchy even like at the beginning of the episode when she's initially talking to Picard and he asks her, you know, you know, what the directives are, I can't remember exactly what he asked, but she's, she basically told him that's really none of your business. And she was kind of mm-hmm. weird about that. It wasn't just what she said. It was how she said it. Oh so, yeah. Even when she was nice, I was like, I don't trust this lady. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, so like even before the turning point where we can definitively say, Oh, it's definitely a witch hunt. I don't know. Like, I guess maybe I could be told otherwise, but it just seemed to me like they, they started their trip with almost nefarious intentions. So that's it. Well, so John, I had a question on that. Was there another TNG episode? And, and I should probably know this. Was was there another episode where Picard this. is being accused? And it's a little bit more all about Picard and their interview. I feel like there's some other episode that, that I've seen recently uh, where there's some like independent counsel or independent investigator, for lack of a better term. And, and he or she is sort of interviewing Riker and interviewing Data and com- compiling all this evidence against Picard. Am I making that up? Does that sound familiar at all? I couldn't remember if that, um, because when I was watching this to Richard's point, I thought, Oh, it's this episode, you know, and that this, the, the Admiral was, was really there from the beginning to accuse Picard. And it was interesting to watch it sort of misremembering because clearly that wasn't this episode and maybe I've made that other one up, but that uh, it was as if it was as if the Admiral was coming in willing to accuse anyone and everyone just to fit the, you know, the sort of conspiracy thinking. And you saw it in the hearing or trial or whatever we're going to call it. When there was one moment where she's sort of accusing and besmirching Picard. And then Worf stands up and says something to the effect of that's outrageous. Captain Picard acted, you know, honorably in this matter. And then they immediately pivot without a moment's hesitation and then start accusing Worf. So after, and the same guy that had specifically said earlier that, he had cleared Worf, you know, in right. his head. 
Right. And so it, he's the one that turns on him. Like that was a pretty like gut punch when I was watching. I was like, oof, that's like super personal, like backstab. In c- front come of on, bro. Come on. Yeah. Bro. And, so, <laughs> we were... and so what Richard, what, what that was is pretty much that um, Worf's father was accused of co- like colluding with the Romulans and having this Klingon base like blown up and destroyed. And so long story short, that's kind of what he was referencing is that, oh, your father colluded with Romulans, which we know isn't true through a long, it's like a four episode arc that we know isn't true. Oh, okay. So it's not, it's not just that it's, it's out of nowhere. I mean, it's not even true. Like it's, it's not like his father was involved. It's, it's proven that this is a false thing that they're just dredging up. It's a bigger arc. It's yeah. a bigger arc in the, in the season, and it, and it sort of you know transcends the season. I think where yeah. Worf, it's this whole thing, and so the the audience knows that he's innocent, and his father's innocent. But if I remember correctly, I, I wasn't correctly, sure actually. Yeah, okay. it, it, they've established because I'm going through a TNG rewatch, and they've established in one of the earlier season four episodes that um, I think it was a Klingon named Duras. Am I yes, saying that? The House of Duras. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So we're in the weeds now, but they. You know, as the audience, that Worf and his family and his honor and all that is is, is clear. But he basically, it's kind of like Jason. It's kind of like the Dark Knight, where Worf sort of falls on the sword to protect mm-hmm. the people in I the Empire. That. You know, instead of instead of letting the truth come out. So there you go. That, that was yeah. I remember that. that was a powerful moment in the Dark Knight when he saved Batman <laughs> that way. <laughs> you, wow. Uh, so I, I will I will add that as someone that had not seen the four episode arc before, I actually assumed that Worf's father was a like uh, a sympathizer with the Romulans, mm-hmm. um, but that didn't really change my view of like knowing that Worf was absolutely innocent. So yeah, and I and I feel like the episode and this could be like a transition is that there's three to me there's three big characters in this episode. There's the Admiral, there's Picard, and there's Worf. And they all are doing mm-hmm. what they think is right for the Federation, to protect the Federation. And only we know Picard is right morally and ethically. But Worf, is, and at the very end, he kind of laments. He's like, I thought I was doing right. I thought I was protecting the Federation. I thought it was, you know, like helping. And actually, he was just being a, a pawn. The famous line, what does he say? Vigilance is the price we have to continually pay. And even... Mm-hmm. That's a good one. I wrote that down, too. <laughs> yeah. I, was like, I like that. <laughs> that was like the theme of the episode, right? That was kind of the moral of the story. It was in a free society. Um, you've got yeah. to stay vigilant. Another, another line I liked by Picard was, the road from legitimate suspicion to rampant paranoia is shorter than we think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, was a good... good. And then mm-hmm. we, a, lot of, a lot of good zingers. That'll, that'll, that'll preach. That'll preach. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it's true because it's like, that's why I like Star Trek so well is that even though they've come so far, like in the 24th century and we've have all this technology and there's no need, there's no lack, but we, the torch, what it was aligned, the torture of heretics, the burning of witches, it's all ancient history. Then before you can blink an eye, it suddenly threatens to start all over again. And I think that's just a human mm-hmm. nature, human condition. Like we're, prone to fear we're prone to paranoia and it's easy to get caught up in that and even in sci-fi or the real world so mm-hmm. yeah i yeah. mean to be fair it was a really giant coincidence that <laughs> the same time that like 
the plans for that specific reactor or warp drive were stolen like a few days later, however long it was that it actually blows up. So yes. A, yes. So I was going to say, clearly the episode, it, the writing in the episode is meant to, you know, invoke McCarthyism and, and you know, we have to be vigilant against fear mongering. And, and the hearing was very clearly a reference to the Senate hearings where McCarthy, you know, finally kind of goes too far. And I think he accuses the army or whatever, and the, the having no decency stuff. Um, but from a story perspective, it was confusing because I was like, wait a minute, this guy was a spy and he admitted to it and he was trying to steal the plant. So I completely agree with Jason's point that narratively, you know, it was, it was a little bit muddy because you're like, oh, well, there really is a conspiracy and that's kind of a big deal. And John, I don't know if you have any bigger thoughts on, you know, did they ever play that out with the Romulan Klingon spy network? Cause that is a big deal, you know, and it sort of gives more legitimacy to the investigation. Yeah. They don't, I mean, there's really not a, it's something they're always afraid of kind of just like I mentioned before in the cold war, there's not a long term um, because eventually the Romulans um, go on the side and come to the aid of the Federation in the dominion war, which I know no one has any idea what that means. (laughs) Um, So, so honestly, no, but it's just something that they've kind of have always questioned and, and suspicious. And that's why she's kind of raising, when she's like questioning Picard, she's like, well, when you were assimilated by the Borg and when you're assimilated by the Borg, you, all of your memories, everything of your life is kind of put in this giant collective. So the Borg now knows all this Starfleet um, history and it would use that history at the battle of, um, was it Wharf, uh, Wharf Wolf three, five, nine and destroyed 11,000 people and, and basically half the fleet. Mm-hmm. So I was about to say that actually. <laughs> God. <laughs> so um yeah so it's it's she's yeah like alan said it, it definitely evokes that but no there's no no longer conspiracy to this and to me that's the only issue i have with the episode i feel like they were they wrote the ending and then they tried to get to the beginning so i actually did background history on this episode and that's exactly what the writers did it was going it <laughs> was going to be a like a clip show and then the two executive producers were like I hate clip shows. They're stupid. And so they're like, all right, well, let's do an episode on McCarthyism. And so I feel like they started there and then they worked back and then they were like, Oh, make him a spy. But he actually turns out to be a spy. I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> it, honestly, it reminded me of in our, our only other uh, guest appearance on your podcast, John, when we, when we reviewed Jason and I reviewed the episode from season one, I think the finale conspiracy, uh, where Jason, you made the, the very well-articulated point that the episode was sort of playing with your expectations that it would have been a false conspiracy and you should you know be mm-hmm. careful of that. But no, there really were these giant bugs that would infect your infect your brain and control the you know Starfleet. So right. <laughs> it was a little it was a little bit like that to me that you know obviously in this case they're making sort of the opposite point as in the other episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But clearly there was something to it with the fact that this was a Klingon spy. And I thought it was kind of cool how it was, you know, the technology was you can put the files in your blood or whatever that was. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I thought that was cool. The amino acid. Yeah. Extraction. Yeah. That's uh, pretty so cool. You're probably going to have that in real life at some point. <laughs> but, uh, so, oh, sorry. So, yeah. So I thought that was a li- a li- it muddied the point a little bit, but I it was still cool, I guess is my point. Yeah, but like in real life, we would just use that to like pirate like Nicolas Cage movies or something. You know? <laughs> he can be in your blood now. 
<laughs> Wait, so I'm, I have a, I'm, I'm I have a question the prime as directive. A, oh my gosh. <laughs> so Sorry, I have a question as a newbie. Um, and it's it's going in the opposite direction of all this technology we've talked about. Um, apparently you you rely on a specific sort of creature or person to tell you what their intuition yes. is fact or something like that. So um, that's beta, a betazoid. Betazoid, betazoid yep. Oh. Yes. <laughs> yeah, how dare you, Jason? Get it right. <laughs> um, can, can someone explain that to me? How we can, in the Star Trek universe, you can put files into liquid and inject them into people, but then we're also going to rely on this person to tell us, based on their intuition, <laughs> whether something's right or wrong or who's guilty. <laughs> so so I, I have a comment. John, I'll let you explain it, but I, I did want to just point out uh, that... Counselor Troy is also a Betazoid, Richard. She was in only the beginning of the episode when she was questioning the Klingon with Riker in the very beginning. And gotcha. I'm just like, she, she she always seems to be a fairly ineffective Betazoid. So uh, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 think, I think he's lying, but he's kind of closed off. So it's, it's always like, I've got this feeling, but... Okay, can you read minds or can't you? Come on. Well, to, to be fair, to be fair, Deanna Troy is a half betazoid. She's only half. I half betazoid. Okay. So calm half the human, half down. Down. <laughs> because, Yeah, I thought the same thing when she said that. I was like, "That's kind of what I got too." <laughs> and I'm and I'm not a mind reader. Right now. <laughs> so I think I think there's even um, like honest trailers did a joke about that. Like with they did TNG and it's like she can't ever help in any way, shape or form because she's like, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't read anything. So it's like, <laughs> are you not? But yes, Richard, um, Betazoids are a mind reading um, race. Now, Deanna Troy cannot read minds, but she can read emotions. And I guess the Admiral's helper, I forget his name, could only read emotions. He couldn't read thoughts um, because full Betazoids can read thoughts. So. There's that, um, but gotcha. talking they're like kind of telepathic. Yeah, they're telepathic. Is that right. Mm-hmm. And fun fact: Deanna Troy's mom, um, Lo- yeah, Lux. How do I pronounce this? Luxana. Luxana Troy. She was number one in the original series episode with Pike. Believe it or not. Well. 40, 50, Nobody cares. Okay. Hang on. The, the actress mm-hmm. really? Yep. And she's actually the actress who plays Troy's mom in TNG was in the original series as the first officer. Mm-hmm. And she actually voices the um, the computer too. Oh wow! Okay. Like in um, wow, oh, that's a fun fact. That is two that's fun a, facts. That's a, that's a bonus. That's a bonus fun fact. That's wow. Okay, that's what we do. Oh. There you go. Let's let's wrap it up, guys. That's worth the price of mission, right? There. <laughs> that's worth that's worth the price of paywall for this twelve ninety nine episode. Um, oh my gosh no um and uh, going to your point richard about like amino acids and going into the system and and imprinting on dna and smuggling it out star trek has this how do i say this bullcrap of science and technology and it's called tech talk or something like that i forget what um lavar burton called it but it's basically like that's uh ted talk (laughs) it's called a ted talk no, um, so it's just basically like things that they make up scientifically to make it sound legitimate, and it's just like garbagely goop. So I don't know if you legitimately yes. could do that, imprint information on amino acid and carry it inside your DNA. Um, well, 
Well, I just, I, yeah, no, I, I was more just the thought of like in within a span of a few minutes talking about this, uh, you know, ridiculously high tech way of smuggling information. And then all of a sudden someone saying, well, I have this good intuition that he is definitely a criminal. It's like, well, that was a, that was a that was a big swing. Um, and they're species, Richard. Okay, come on, don't be a bigot. Okay, God. <laughs> to be to be fair, yeah. Well, to be fair, I didn't actually catch that they that they said that that assistant uh, was Betazoid. So even if they had said it, you know, if Richard doesn't know what that is or a non fan doesn't know what that is, it's a little bit uh, well. That well, right. well, to me, that was like one of like I could see. To me, that's one of the ways the episode mounts. It's because the Admiral wants Picard to like have Tarsus like stay in his quarters, not be able to go out, trail him. And just because of the Betazoid has a bad feeling about him. And so that's when I was like, oh, he and I think they mentioned that a couple other times um, throughout the episode that he is Betazoid. But to me, I was like, oh, so he definitely I guess he's half Betazoid. They don't really talk. We're in the weeds of this episode. (laughs) Well, well, I was going to say, like, my the quote that stands out to me, actually, is from the entire episode is um, from that Betazoid. And, and he there there he's he's getting grilled. Can't remember, it might. I don't know if it's him or if it's it's the Admiral, but I think they're both getting grilled from Picard as to like why we're you know treating Tarsus the same way as um, the Klingon and. In comparison, I think it was the the Betazoid was like, he's all but done the same, referring to the Klingon. And I thought that was a very, very, very relevant uh, quote to be put into Mm. 2020 in in culture. Um, Mm. You know, we have a convicted um, criminal and then we have this other one just based purely off intuition um, quote unquote intuition, but mm-hmm. the fr- the operative phrase is all but done the same, and that yeah. resonated with me in a very dark way <laughs> with where with where things are. Yeah, that, that's so. Good. I actually noted that as well, Richard. And I, I my note was that um, Picard seems to be, and, and John and Jason can probably comment more on this. Picard seems to be all about nuance, right? Like, I think he had a line that said something like, just because you have Romulan blood doesn't make you, you know, a a party to this conspiracy. And so Picard is like this hallmark of clear rationality, sort of unbiased and, uh, you know, not blinded by prejudices that clearly all these different parties around him are. And that's just, yeah, to your point, I, I view that entirely in the 2020 context of politics of, you know, responses to the pandemic, what have you, you know, there's so many areas where we, we should be nuanced, but we aren't because we say, Oh, you're on this team or you think this way. And so then I'm going to draw all these conclusions about you and everything you think. So I, I, I that, that landed with me too, in, in a similar way, Richard. So that's, that's interesting uh, that you called that out. Yeah. To count on top of all of that, I actually, have a note is that as well as like Picard is the example that we all should be in that situation because throughout the entire episode, he's super calm. He's firm and he's consistent, but he's super calm throughout. He doesn't lose his cool, especially when he's on the stand. He's just boom. This is how it's going to be. And I'm not going to raise my voice. I'm not going to get wild and crazy because Picard can do that. We've seen him before, like go absolutely like ape crap 
onto the ship or anything. So I definitely liked his response. I'm like, that's how we should respond. And actually like that whenever we're faced in real life situations with fear or paranoia or witch hunts. <laughs> yeah. I feel uh, like, yeah, that's a good point. Like we're the show wants you to be like Picard of, uh, I actually found myself thinking more mostly in line with Worf uh, for most of the time. I don't know, Richard, I don't know if you felt that same kind of way too. Like, at the beginning, he hit the spy when I wanted to hit the spy. But uh, <laughs> he, tra- I was like, "Oh, I hate this guy. He's like insulting Worf, and he's like trying to yeah. get him to act dishonorably." It's like, and then Worf hits him. I'm like, "Yeah, nice." <laughs> and then, and then later, he's like, "Yeah, there must be a spy." I was like, "There must be a spy." It blew up right after they stole the plans. And then he was going after, um, was it? Tar- Tarsus, is that Tarsus? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which Tarsus. by the Tarsus. by the way, Simon Tarsus. Which by the way is a great band name, Tarsus. I don't know if there's a band name Tarsus. <laughs> you know, there's a famous guy called Saul of Tarsus, but oh, never mind. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, so, so I was like in line with him. Like I even was like, yeah, probably wouldn't hurt to like look into when he was talking to like I guess his other security officers about like digging into his history, that sort of thing. I was like, that sounds reasonable, but maybe I've just seen like too many. 24 episodes where there's like a mole every season. I'm like, ah, it's that it's happening again. But, and then like by the end, like during the trial, um, you know, I was like feeling the same way of like, Nope, this is totally a sham and out of control and all that stuff. So I don't know, Richard, were you kind of following that same path or, or did you think um, Tarsus was innocent the whole time? So I, I mean, when when Tarsus first was in there, I was like, oh, something something shady about him. But then when it was mm-hmm. revealed, it made sense. Like what you know, his mm-hmm. his sin of not revealing his Romulan roots. That sort of I was like, oh, okay, we'll close the book there because it seemed it seemed like he was up to something, but not anything that was too drastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say is you know to answer your question about Worf, I I definitely sympathized with him even more than Picard even though I know even though Picard is the cornerstone of the episode. And the reason why I sympathize with him more is because he was the one getting manipulated. Mm. I think he is the one Mm. that I think the, the overarching themes is supposed to show the person who um, it has the best intentions is trying their hardest to do the right thing, but you see it starting when he deals with that half beta zoid. I mean, that whole conversation is meant to manipulate Worf. And it works. And, and, and like that whole episode, you just feel in a way I felt bad for him. Cause I was like, you know, he's playing the role of like, of the, of the Joe Schmo who wants to do the right thing. You can insert any, you know, uh, you know, McCarthyism or, or like, you know, any, any um, relatable uh, contemporary topic into it, insert any of that. Um, it can be put, there is a wharf or a group of people of warps for any of these situations. And I think that was like the biggest point of like sympathy and like understanding for him. Oh for man, that, that's it's, such it's a good a, point. That's a good point. Sorry, go, go ahead, Jason. Cause I was just gonna say, cause like uh, you, you, you specifically said you, you felt like you were in the warp <laughs> too. So that, that's a good point, Richard. Uh, yeah. I was, uh, I was going to say like, do you think wharf was supposed to be the stand in for the audience? Cause a lot, a lot of times entertainment does that like someone that, kind of sees it through the audience's point of view like um if we didn't know tarsus before and that's why i was asking earlier i didn't know if we were supposed to be 
uh, feeling what War felt or feeling what Picard was feeling. Like, if we knew Tarsus already as, like, an established good character crew member, we would be thinking, like, Picard the whole time. Mm. But I didn't know Tarsus, and I guess everyone else didn't either. So we were thinking, yeah, there might be a, you know, they should probably at least check into this guy because it's, you know, it's, it seems highly possible that someone else is involved. And, you know, you just want to make, you want to be sure. And in that way, I was you know, more like Worf was, but, you know, by the end, before, you know, everyone else is convinced, Worf is convinced too, so. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, I would I was say. I curious about that. Yeah, no, I, I'd say, I'd say the idea, he would be the audience stand-in, like, I think the idea is by the end of the episode, we, we identify as Worf, but we strive to be Picard, because we understand that that is the, um, the guidepost on how to, handle yourself and and others with those topics mm-hmm. that's yeah that, that's it's, it's interesting because i was i was gonna say i was viewing it in a slightly different angle to say that it's like picard is sort of the platonic ideal right like mm-hmm. you're supposed to be picard like you just said aspire to that but it's almost like Worf is a stand-in for the danger of the innocent bystander right so like mccarthyism in right. the 50s or whatever you know you had mccarthy accusing all these people and most people kind of went along with it. Like, you know, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't take just one guy to, to bring down all these career politicians and other people that he accused. It takes him plus all the innocent bystanders that sort of let him do his thing. And so it's like Worf almost stands in as, hey, here's who you could be. And it's nice that the episode sort of shows you the error of Worf's ways, because mm-hmm. like you said, at every step, he's being reasonable. And and I think, you know, we talk about like the tropes of Star Trek TNG. One of them is that Troy, you know, never seems to be really helpful despite her. (laughs) Well, another one seems to be that Worf is like usually pretty thoughtful and reasonable, but maybe doesn't get listened to. Like, I feel like maybe it was Mm -hmm. the honest trailer or something where he's like constantly reminding folks like, hey, maybe we shouldn't just beam down unarmed to this, you know, alien, you know. So he's always this very reasonable guy. So it was interesting how they used him in this episode uh, where you could fall into the trap of being reasonable, but in, in the end being wrong. Yeah, this might have been my favorite Worf episode that I've seen. You know, I've seen like, you know, maybe no more than 15 like TNG episodes um, and just all, you know, scattered all around. Um, uh, But yeah, this one, like he had a chance to be like vulnerable with like bringing up his, you know, like his family's heritage uh, with the Klingons now and like his father, but also like aggressive um driven and you know and like actually like receptive you know at the end like learning like he was the one that grew mm-hmm. the whole episode like Picard was you know just like a you know he's he was a uh dependable you know person the whole time like he he just knew he was like he knew what was right and just stuck with that the whole time and then uh the lady admiral investigator you know she just was awful the whole time on the other side no change you know (laughs) but yeah he was like the most dynamic out of the three the three main and so i enjoyed Uh, watching that's well watching him yeah and he and he does say that he's like at the very end when they're in the ready room he's like i trusted her like i listened to her Mm -hmm. and i i mean i believed her and i think yeah that's definitely a trope because i think a lot of people did like when any type of side you're on politically or any um kind of i wouldn't call it a conspiracy but anything you kind of get really invested in of course you're going to believe them because it comes from that underlying trust that we all want what's good either for our nation or in this case the federation and so 
I always thought specifically thinking of Worf, he's always one to rush into battle and rush into fight and conflict. So for him to be like, oh yeah, let's he's he's guilty. Let's just look into him. It's like, okay, that's a typical Worf trait. Like he's going to kind of be aggressive in that way. But I, I definitely think he's, like you guys mentioned, he's a beautifully written audience stand-in and dynamic character as opposed to Picard and the Admiral, which are kind of static and they don't really change at all um, their positions. Mm-hmm. I did think on the Admiral, because you mentioned, Jason, that she was terrible the whole time, which, which she definitely was. Uh, I, I did think this is not as deep or heavy as anything we've, we've been talking about thematically, but I thought she was a weird casting choice because, first of all, she was, you know, she mentioned that she came out of retirement to do the investigation and everything, mm-hmm. and she's this big, important admiral. But she kind of had, the actress to me kind of had almost this very um, kind of damsel in distress kind of persona and, and voice, you know? Like, she didn't seem to mm. command the room. Oh. So, to me, it was an interesting choice, not that it was inherently good or bad, but, you know, when you think of McCarthyism or whatever else this is sort of an allegory for, it was it was a little strange to me that, what sort of got under her skin was Picard using her, her daddy's words against her. I, I don't know. It was, <laughs> I, I did. That's the only time I thought she kind of lost like total control. I mean, yeah. I mean obviously right. she did, but that, that just came out like almost too quickly for me. Um, like that was the trigger, but it did set it up earlier and like how she just totally idolized yeah. her father. Mm-hmm. And I guess, but I'm pretty sure her daddy didn't teach her to just, <laughs> Uh, get super emotional during those long dinner debates. <laughs> well, and, and, <laughs> when she lost, yeah. And, I mean, to be to be fair, um, speaking of the other, if we're getting a contextual, like whole character perspective of her, she was actually one of the admirals that helped Picard and Riker take down that earwig bug conspiracy. Because at the very beginning of the episode, it's a very like little Easter egg. Picard's like, uh, Admiral, I forget her name. It's like the Admiral helped us with a conspiracy three years ago. And so there's that right. level of trust. Right. And so maybe she's predis- like predisposed to believe in conspiracy. But it's funny, you mentioned Damsel in Distress. Um, the actress is Gene Simmons. Not that Gene Simmons, but... <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> From- some right. that, forget Worf. That was really impressive. Did they get an Oscar, they get an Oscar for that? Um, no, they. her name's Jean Simmons, and she was in, I think, South by Southwest, or that, it's a Hitchcock movie, I think. Um, oh, yeah. wow, she was. Yeah. Okay. And so she was that, I guess, that damsel in distress. So that's maybe why you uh, get that vibe from her. And Jonathan Frax directed this episode, and he's like, that was a dream come true to work with her. Oh, I did not recognize her. I'd actually watched that movie a few months ago. Yeah. And so, um, but I think that's also a tie, like a danger of that kind of paranoia because it can take somebody that you wouldn't think is intimidating or intense, but just passionate. And they take that passion and they corrode it and they corrupt it and they turn them into a, a monster. But um, I will say this because we're about 40 minutes in and we haven't mentioned it. Can we talk about the Admiral that comes in and doesn't say a word the entire episode? My favorite character in the episode. I, have I don't know why that's not like a favorite, like a, a popular gif moment. Like that is just, <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> I just, I just made like a special note in there. I was like, Worf and Admiral's WTF faces when she goes off. That's all I put. I was like, this is a, 
amazing. Like it's like, oh, I wasted a trip. That's what it looks like. <laughs> he was thinking. Well, I just feel bad, like for that for that guy because he had to be on set probably for like twelve plus hours, and he doesn't do anything. He just sits there, and so he's yeah. Um, I'm sure he got paid, but I don't know if he got any. Yeah. Um anything credit for it but yeah I, his his face was the best line in the episode quite frankly <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. he's like she's crazy, she's crazy. <laughs> but i think i'm going to find the bar <laughs> yeah i um i definitely loved how picard in his in his wisdom was like this will get her under the skin this will make her blow up because if i can make her blow up that was clever yeah that was super clever it was, in the middle it, it was classic TNG, right? How it sort of wraps everything up with a bow at the forty-five minute mark or whatever mm-hmm. it was. But it was, but it was, yeah, it was well done, I thought. And amidst uh, all of that, doesn't he also give us a gift moment at minute thirty-nine? He does. Facepalm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wrote that down too. I was like, Picard facepalm. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he was doing so much there. No, and I think that's so funny because, like. Who would have thought 20 some odd years ago when they filmed this and be like, this will be one of the most popular, most recognizable moments in track is when. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, that was the moment. Yeah, that is. Okay. By the way, John, the episode came out in 91. So it's almost 30 years old. Um, One, one note about, um, did y'all notice on the admirals uh, on her, like one of her uh, uniforms or costumes, whatever, like she had kind of like a design at the front and it looked base. It was literally like a noose almost. Oh, I did. You, you know what? That? I did notice that. I, did, I didn't put it yes. together that it looked like a noose, but I did notice. I looked at that. I was weird... like, I was yeah. like, there's no way that's a coincidence. Like <laughs> that they gave this person that was playing, like trying to be judge, jury and executioner, you know? Yeah. Wow. Um, that's a good, that's, that's a great point out. So, that's a, that's a I, deep I like cut. That. That's a deep cut. Ooh, that's a hot take. Oh, uh, <laughs> hot. <laughs> You should Another, charge, charge double for this episode, John. This is good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure if any of y'all will get this reference, but I'm sure some of your viewers will. But I wrote down at one point, I was like, this is sort of like a really long game of Among Us. Um, nope. A, nope. A, okay. Among Us, <laughs> Among Us as background is a wildly popular uh, phone game right now. And there's like tons of memes oh, and stuff. You've seen the memes, um, even among, if you don't know among it. Among Us. I thought you were saying like Among um, Us. Like Among Us Fletcher. I thought you were saying like Among Us. I was like, Among Us? What are you talking about? No, Among <laughs> no. Us. Yes, yes. Among I know us. you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, we're. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Alan and Richard, like in that game, you're, it's like very cartoony. It's basically mafia, but like a phone game. And so mm-hmm. there's like, you know, X number of crewmates and like a few of them are actually imposters. And so while the, everyone else is doing their jobs on the ship, the other ones are like running around and trying to kill people without being seen by any witnesses. And so mm. they, you T- can typical, call like a meeting, stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. And so you call a meeting and you're like, I think it was this person because... Who like because you can also um, sabotage like literally sabotage equipment like the warp drive. Oh wow! And then they're like, "It wasn't me, you know. I was over in uh, I was over like emptying the gar garbage chute, and and so you just kind of go back and forth, and then everyone votes to like who to let out of the ship, and you know basically sounds, die in space. Sounds fun. So yeah, wow. well, J- Jason's <laughs> hitting that sweet twelve to eighteen demographic for us. <laughs> I was gonna say, are we are we are we getting paid to plug Among Us? That's <laughs> we are. It's, I'm not seeing it, but it's a big thing right now. But anyway, so I just thought of that when I 
No, that's good. I saw like him like saying why he didn't blow up the warp drive. I was like, huh. yeah, sure, you were in the medical bay. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I think Alex tried. One of our other friends tried to get us to play, and then we all ignored him on it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, no, that's it's to me. This is one of the best episodes of Trek, one of my personal favorites of all time, simply because it's. A, it's a great Picard moment and episode to me like really focuses on Picard, but also B because it comments and it's tropes that can easily translate to real world. So um, I, that's why it's one of my favorites. So I definitely wanted to take a shift from last time we got together because last time it was head explosions and gross and WTF moments and um, still a good episode, but just a little different. That's what I was going to say. This what this yeah. episode clearly a great TNG episode, great Star Trek, but you know, way too few head explosions for my liking. Uh, I would I would have been okay if like her head had exploded right <laughs> after Picard gave his speech. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. Uh, to to John's point, I liked all like that. It was a it was technically like a smaller, much 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 smaller stakes mm-hmm. episode as far as like that one kid's, you know, career getting destroyed because of lying on his application um, versus like the conspiracy one where it's like, oh, Starfleet's about to be overrun by like body snatchers basically. But like, to me, it had a much like bigger emotional like punch. Like, yeah, definitely. So yeah, super well, well, super well written. Well, and it's interesting that you, John, that you chose both of those back to back because you could almost, it's important maybe to view them in light of each other, you know, and like mm-hmm. you said, there was the Easter egg at the beginning where this, this episode, uh, Drumhead actually references back to that episode, Conspiracy from season one, where, you know, there was a huge conspiracy that was literally, you know, embedding itself in the brains of the leadership of the, of the Federation. Where in this one, like you said, Jason, the stakes weren't quite that high, but in a sense they kind of were because Picard was saying it's like a a, a, a moral erosion, a moral conspiracy in, that's infecting all the minds of the admirals and so and so, you know, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, it's it's so it was an interesting contrast to see up season one where you had literal body snatching bugs that explode your brain, Ugh. versus this one where it was a much more nuanced sort of you know thoughtful cerebral episode. Yeah, but painting a very important moral picture. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I would say that this, I'll I'll play the devil's advocate here. I would say that this conspiracy was not to the near level as advanced as maybe the bug conspiracy was, but I think it was just as threatening because imagine if Picard didn't say anything and these kind of drumhead trials continued and it spread through the Federation. And then eventually to me, it would eventually gone up, could have been stopped or it could have led to war because if they keep finding all these Romulan spies, they're going to get agitated and feel like Romulus is being aggressive against earth. So who knows? So, I mean, I think it's, it's, there is big stakes, but it's just very quenched very quickly at the end. Um, just like the other one. And yeah, I did choose these two episodes to go and talk to each other because they play off each other really well. And you kind of, the first one is, um, Season one, it's kind of like, okay, Star Trek is trying to find itself. And I feel like this is almost a, just to see how far we've come and how better the show has gotten, but still kind of in the same vein. That's well, that's well done, John. You should, you know, you should start a podcast to do this stuff. I should, (laughs) I should. I just, I have all this free time. 
like I have all these jobs and I have a child. Like, you know, just I just have all this time in the world. So <laughs> <laughs> so I am curious before you wrap us up, I'm curious for Dick's perspective on on track now that he's watched, you know, one whole episode. Are, are, are you going to watch any others? What, what's your take? Like, has your, has your perception of Trek shifted at all? Ooh. I mean, I suppose, man, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't want to offend anyone. I will uh, cut all of it. I will cut it off. <laughs> clearly trying no, no, to be no, polite no. and say no way. No, no, no. So, so all joking aside, um, I don't know if I will, uh, you know, become a serial fan of Star Trek, but I will say um, that this episode was really fun to watch. And if there were like other o- overarching thematic episodes like this, I would certainly pop one on. Okay, that's that's what I would say. Well, there, there—that's the beauty of Trek—is that there are there are these great, like episodes that transcend just sci-fi and that everybody can relate to and, and comment on society. And then there's episodes where Beverly Crusher does a ghost. So, um, let's kind of leave that out there. All right. <laughs> so, I mean, it, that's where the, uh, sex and fear comes. That, in. I believe that's true. The sex TV, and fear. TV PG sex and fear. Yeah. So, um, yeah. The, so it's, it's a wide spectrum, but Richard, I would say this, my last pitch that I'll that I'll give you, I wouldn't mm-hmm. just knowing you for, I guess ten plus years, I wouldn't start you out like on any type of like TNG or DS9. I would make you watch Lower Decks, because that's by the same people that did Rick and Morty, and the same type of humor, but you get Star Trek with it. So I would put that out there. Yeah, see that that would be, you know me too well. Like that would be in, intriguing. Um, yeah, I, I certainly, I certainly am not going to make promises on on my newfound Star Trek fandom. However, I think I get it a little bit more now. I get why it's like a a, a big deal and why people um, really connect to it mm-hmm. and, and find it resonant. So it absolutely um, did shift my perspective in okay. that way. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a very loaded question. And ever since I brought you on, I was like, I'm going to ask him this at the end. Oh, jeez. How do you think, <laughs> what is the comparison between Star Wars and Trek now? Because now you have a taste of Trek, the best of Trek, in my opinion, in the drumhead, and you see it. So I've always come to the school that Star Trek is more like scientific, by the book, great sci-fi, but not as philosophical and maybe not as emotional star wars so unpack wait so you can can you can you clarify what that last piece that you just said what you what you've always thought so star wars i am a star wars is my my love child i've watched i remember watching um new hope when i was five years old on a VHS player. And it, that's why I did a Star Trek podcast because, and not Star Wars, because I love Star Wars so much that I didn't want it to be ruined <laughs> by overworking the subject <laughs> to death. So I picked, <laughs> and it's true. Like I, I love Trek. I'm a huge Trek fan, but Star Wars is my first love. And so to me, Star Wars has always been a more of a big R romantic kind of sci-fi saga, as opposed to Star Trek, which is more, 
just really great plots, intricate plots, complex, but also can still have fun sometimes, you know? Um, so that's how I view the difference. Almost like one's philosophy, Star Wars, and one's science. Yeah. So, yeah. So I think when I'm, if I'm just doing a direct comparison, um, I think you hit it on the, uh, the nail on the head. Because if I'm looking at Star Wars, it's, I'm not thinking too deep about it. And I think when I think too deep about it, that's when I start getting like annoyed at certain things. Um, okay. As, as you all, as you all. Why is uh, a hero gotta be a lady? <laughs> thought Richard. Alan is, Alan is awfully quiet. So I'm just kidding. No, so Jason just, I mean, got, Jason just got canceled by the way. <laughs> oh, I, I'm a fan. I, I'm, I'm okay. It's not Richard. He just doesn't. Are like you him. a fan of the ladies? No. Is that what? Okay. <laughs> no, I've, I've got some no. comments when, when Richard is, is done with his. I'm curious. No, so so I will always, if given the choice, uh, prefer Star Wars. However, if I'm like, if I really think about it deeper than just, oh man, what a great story. What a, you know, a generational experience to watch this. You know, I get annoyed and you all have heard my annoyances. Whereas the philosophical end, I can't really speak to, we just talked about the intuition, genius species and uh, liquid files, whatever. But, you know, when it comes to like the philosophical sort of thing and like diving into that angle, I mean, Star Trek clearly has, uh, speaks to me more in that sense. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely more pure sci-fi. A lot of a lot of people would say that Star Wars isn't pure sci-fi. Is it fantasy, or is that... kind of space fantasy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, and I think we should take Richard's opinion with a grain of salt because we all know, despite what he says, he hates Star Wars. He hates Star Wars <laughs> and he hates Star Trek. Uh... <laughs> no, so John, what I was going to say is. Uh, I know we're coming up on the hour here. Who cares? Um, I don't we can go as long as we want. So. I, I don't want to tell you how to do your podcast, but if you devoted a whole episode to discussion of Star Wars versus Trek and your experience, I would totally listen to that. I would listen to that on so many walks. It's it's on, <laughs> believe it or not, it's on the docket. So I've, I've, de- I've debated it for a long time because you guys remember that Uber Eats commercial with Hamill yes, yes. And, and Sir Patrick Stewart? Yes. And so that mm-hmm. commercial led all of this big hoopla of like, a Star Trek Star Wars crossover and they that should happen. And I was like, no, it shouldn't happen. That's stupid. No way. No, and so no I was like, I have it like because I have probably like five or six episodes, like potential episodes I'll do in the future. And that was one of them. And so um yeah, I mean I might, I might toy with it. But um <laughs> see that's that's that would be it's like, a good teaser. It's a good teaser. Oh yeah. So um but what were you saying, Alan? I didn't mean to, to cut you off there. No, that was it. That was it. That we can't trust Richard's opinion on any of this. And, <laughs> and you, you should you should devote a whole episode to, to exploring it further, either on your own or with this you know cast of characters you've got on here. But uh, I, w- I would listen. I would listen to the heck out of that. Excuse my French. Wow. <laughs> wow. This is Alan is... Potty Moth. Um. Okay. Awesome. No, we can. Yeah. Don't feel pressured, guys. With the hour, we can keep talking. It's not a big deal. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to kind of get your perspective on that because I know you've because who you are and who you're married to that you're really very well versed in star star wars so i was like i want to see his perspective on between the two so um awesome sauce yeah well well, and i would say richard this is the only episode you've seen this was a pretty darn good tng episode it's probably not my favorite tng episode and and i i'm the biggest fan of tng as far as all other versions of trek 
but this one did, you know, it didn't, it was missing a lot of other elements that are great in Star Trek. Yeah. As far as, you know, uh, action being one relationship between the cast members of the core crew being another, which is, I think, particularly a strong point in TNG. Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of great episodes of that. So this was a very, this was a darn good episode, probably top 10 TNG episode by, you know, many people's, uh, you know, perspective and opinion. But uh, this was just one of one of many good ones, I think. So, yeah, I would I would I would say definitely, Richard, if you wanted to watch more, um, there's a I think it's the end of season three, beginning of season four. It's called the best of both worlds. And it's about Picard and the Borg. And you get everything Alan mentioned, plus the. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, it's it, it is interesting. But I'm looking through my notes here. I don't really have anything else. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk or? Uh, I do have, I have one random note just from, you know, since I have been listening to your podcast episodes Thank and you. before I, Thank you. yep, no problem. And, uh, <laughs> I hadn't before, before listening, I didn't know, uh, that Jane Roddenberry was the creator, you know, all that stuff. I just, just didn't mm-hmm. as a very casual person. Um, so every time, uh, like in the opening credits where it said Gene Roddenberry, I read it. And I heard you saying his name in my head. So I just thought you'd appreciate that. <laughs> I'm so, that makes me so happy that I'm, that you hear my voice every time you watch Star Trek created by Gene Roddenberry. Exactly. <laughs> no. And, um, Oh man. Like, yeah, it's been, yeah. Jason has been an adamant. Jason and Alan both have listened to it a lot. And Dick, I understand like it's, you're just not a Trek fan. So don't, yeah, don't worry. But I definitely appreciate you coming on and conversing with us and see like I, I did. And this is what I told Stormy, my wife. I didn't want it to be, oh, you don't know anything. Ha ha. Let's laugh at you. But because you have. But you have <laughs> well, that's about to happen. <laughs> starting now. Um, no, you have such good perspective on um, so many different fields. I was like, yeah, I definitely want to hear what he says because I know you would enjoy it. And um, so I was like, yeah, I'll have to get his perspective. Oh. So, um, well, geez, John, that's really generous. I, I appreciate your thought. And, and like, I, I, I enjoyed it. Like, even though uh, even, even having not seen it, it was really cool to watch and then be able to converse. It was really fun time. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely have to have you back on if you want, but um, yeah, same with you guys. Maybe uh, Star Trek doesn't have Christmas episodes. I was like, we could do a Christmas one next month, but. They don't have Christmas episodes. Do, do they have? Do they have life life day? <laughs> no life. No day. life day. Sorry, Sad. no life day. Um, but anyway. so is there? Is there a, an Andromeda episode? Is that Star Trek? Oh God, I think that's a good place to end it. <laughs> wow! 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 <laughs> Bears beats Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> awesome! Awesome! Well, um. Thank you guys so much for coming on and listening. And that has been our Trek Roundtable. Wowie, wow, wow. That was great. Covered so much and such great perspective and insight from the guys. Uh, immensely impressed. Love seeing it from another angle and different perspective and um, so many good points. And I'm again, thank you so much for listening. Um, I definitely appreciate um, listening. I think this is our longest episode. Is that right, Luna? It's our longest episode. So um, it was so, so much fun to do. So you can definitely tell that in the episode. So um, again, 
A little housekeeping. We're watching out for our Halloween episode this Saturday, October 31st, and then continue on with our discovery reviews. Also, you can hit us up on Instagram at Omega Particle Podcast and on Twitter at Omega Particle underscore. Feel free to reach out. Love talking with you guys and forming those relationships. And again, always feel free to reach out. And thank you guys so much for um <laughs> for listening. And always remember. Second star of the right, straight on till morning.